Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. When I walked in the door, they figured they could hire me cheap, and they were right. I agreed to go to work for a, a song and a dance, and because I just wanted to get started. My dad had encouraged me. He said, go to work for this small company. They're doing computers. You never know what will happen. And that's how today's guest started out in a long and industrious career that benefited many of the listeners to this program. Eric Damery recently retired after a long career in the field of assistive technology, ending as vice president of software product management at Freedom Scientific of his Sparrow company. We talk with Eric about how he got started in the field, how he worked to bring these technologies to reality, and how the marketing and distribution of assistive technology for people with vision loss have evolved over the course of his career. But first for the tip of the week. This week's tip is, if you can find a job you enjoy, it's practically not work. And Eric is a great example of somebody who just loved what he did. And Eric is very good at it and also very friendly. And as you'll hear in the interview, he is probably one of the sighted individuals who is most proficient with the JAWS screen reader. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by APHConnectCenter.org, empowering people toward independence and success by providing blogs, information, and resources for individuals of all ages who are blind or visually impaired. Information and referral line are at 1-800-232-5463. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Let's start by meeting Eric. Eric, you've been with us on the show in the past, but for people who may not know you, can you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm uh, Eric Amory, and uh, I joined into this industry in 1994. I've served as the vice president of uh, software product management for Freedom Scientific, reaching back to when we were formed in 2000 and prior to that with Henter Joyce. And I served in several roles, business development, sales, and uh, just all around bottle washer back in the beginning. <laughs> You've done it all. I've been around I've for done, a long time. Yeah. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Eric Damery's long career and how he was involved in the development, marketing, and distribution of access technology. When I think of the name Eric Damery, what comes to mind is a person who is very experienced and facile with screen readers developed primarily for the blind, but is you are actually fully sighted and not visually impaired at all. So we right. wanted to talk today a little bit about how you came to that position. And if we hop into our time machine, how far do we have to go back to start that story? 
Well, I never heard of the term screen reader until 1993. That was the year that I heard of what one was. But what led me to find out and what led me into this industry um, was that I grew up in a family with a visually impaired member. My dad was a blinded veteran from the Korean War days. And uh, so I grew up in a household around someone who needed to keep track of where they put things and, you know, make sure the scissors aren't left on the counter. And, and you know, since my dad was a sighted person growing up, he had worked on automobiles and he did all of these, you know, mechanical things. He was, he was very mechanically inclined. So when he lost his vision, uh, and, and it was kind of gradual from his 20s till he wasn't totally blind until in his 50s, but he didn't have enough vision to drive. And he, he really couldn't read other than with a very small pocket magnifier, he would pull out and get right on top of paper. So he really couldn't read and write well. But he knew how to do things. And so I never thought of him as someone who was you know, impaired in any way. He, you know, he couldn't drive a car, but he still came to the baseball game when I was a kid growing up. And he made sure he sat behind the screen because he couldn't see if the ball was coming at him. But, you know, I didn't feel like I lived with somebody who had an impairment at all. Yes, he was Uh, just differently abled. That's right. And I learned how to work around that. And I, you know, I think you just learn some things that you don't realize you're learning them because you're around somebody who's visually impaired. But, you know, it was, it was back then in 1993 when he was, they had retired and and I moved them to Florida around 1986. And it was my first time in Florida in 1986. And I kind of made up my mind right then that this was a great place to be. And why would I want to wait until, uh, Till I retire to get here. I was living in Massachusetts. <laughs> it was terrible cold. I'm not a big fan of the cold weather. So in 1989, I was in a transition position with a company that, that got bought and was moving. And I made the move at that point to Florida to start over again. So I came to Florida in 89, finished up some school and uh, had gone to work for a small software company that did report writing software here in Clearwater. And then that job kind of came to an end and I was looking for something to do. And it was then that my dad called up and said, hey, there's a company coming by with some new technology that I'm gonna try through the VA. Why don't you come down? And he thought I was a computer wizard. Well, I didn't know anything about computers. I sold software, but I didn't really have a computer and didn't know how to use them at that time. Oh, geez. So your so, background was in marketing and sales then? Yes. And uh, I worked for a computer company and we did testing of, you know, mini computers, uh, SCSI drives and things like that. So I did a lot of hardware testing, but didn't own a personal computer. And so when I saw my dad was getting one of the Arkenstone computers from Arkenstone with open book software on it, and Ted Henter's company, Henter Joyce, was the Florida rep for Arkenstone. So their salesperson brought the computer to my dad's place, and I happened to go there that day and uh, 
and saw how it worked and got the book and it was very simple. And I was so impressed with the fact that my dad could now read the mail without having to have a battle with my mother at the kitchen table reading the mail every week. That was a miracle so, back then to have a device. It like was that. a miracle. So I was so impressed and I was like, I was looking for something interesting to do. And I thought this is, this looks like it'd be great. And uh, I got on the phone with Arkenstone because I figured I'm not going to call Ted. I'm going to call this Arkenstone company. I don't want to mess around here in St. Pete. <laughs> I want to go big school. So I called Arkenstone and they had a sales person and I talked to her and she said, listen, you need to call Ted Henner because uh, you got to get your feet wet before you can do this stuff. And he's the place to start. So I said, okay. And uh, that's when I went and I met Ted and his wife and uh, Ted had just fired his salesperson who was the person that delivered my dad's computer because he didn't really like salespeople. Oh, geez. But uh, Ted had a, a general manager that had just started with the company, a fellow named Jerry Bowman. He met Ted because they were on the board of the Florida Abilities Organization. And Jerry used to give Ted a ride back and forth. And Ted told Jerry that, you know, he had a small company and he really needed some help and he didn't have any HR people. And Jerry kind of, I think, felt sorry for him and came in and said, I'll do some HR work for you. So Jerry convinced Ted he's got to hire a sales guy. And when I walked in the door, they figured they could hire me cheap and they were right. I agreed to go to work for a, a song and a dance. And because I just wanted to get started. My dad had encouraged me. He said, go to work for this small company. They're doing computers. You never know what will happen. So this was the beginning of Henter Joyce. Ted was still a salesman for Arkenstone, but was just starting his new well, company? Well, he had Henter Joyce. They had Jaws for DOS. They sold Blazy products. They sold Arkenstone products. They sold Braille printers. He did a little bit of everything. Oh, interesting. So when they hired me, we, we sold AI Squared's products too. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when he hired me, my job was to be the Florida rep to sell systems. And I would connect with consumers or organizations around the state and people wanted to see what the Arkenstone product could do. And I'd say, well, listen, if you can put together a group of people, I'll come over and show it to you and them at the same time. And I used to go to different people's houses and they'd have all their friends from their local NFB chapters or whatever. They'd invite everybody to the house and I'd come over and I'd pull out the Arkenstone computer and answer questions and show them how it worked and then start taking orders. Reminds me of the old and, Tupperware uh, parties. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. I was doing, I was doing Arkenstone Tupperware parties, you know, and, uh, and then I'd come back through the next month and deliver systems to these different people that, you know, process orders either through the VA or the local blind services office or, or purchased them themselves. And, and I would go to people's homes and set up these systems and show them how to get started with it. And uh, I really enjoyed that. But it wasn't too long after that, that Ted pulled me aside and he said, listen, this is great, but he didn't get in this to be a dealer for everybody else. He got in this to make JAWS. And he said, we really want to focus in on the JAWS product. And I said, uh, okay. And I started working with the dealers uh, around the country. And I decided if I was going to really understand and sell JAWS and be able to explain it to people, I better learn how to use it. 
well, you know, like you, I am also fully sighted. All I know about how to work JAWS is if you hit insert F4, it stops. But you actually learned how to work with a screen reader as a sighted person. It was hard as a sighted person to be able to figure out a screen reader when you're doing your job. So what I would do is at night, I would take the tower computer. We didn't have laptops. Then I had a tower computer. I'd unplug it all and I'd take the computer and the mouse and the keyboard and the power cord back to my house. Now I had to take the mouse because you couldn't run the computers back then unless you plugged a mouse in, even though you weren't using it. Mm-hmm. But I'd leave the monitor at the office and I'd just take the computer, the mouse and the keyboard and the power cord, and I'd go home and I'd spend a couple of three hours at night starting to figure out the experience of using a computer without seeing it. And that's how you became a user. And that's how I became a user. So I And I literally learned Windows from a keyboard with a screen reader. So this is probably the right time for you to explain what JAWS is an acronym for. Sure, Job Access with Speech. You know, but, as you uh, say, though, it's hard to learn a screen reader if you still have access to a screen that you can use and see because it's such a crutch. When something doesn't work out or you get a little frustrated, you just peer at the screen. And that way you never learn the screen reader. But you managed to do that, which is why you become one of the sighted people who's a real expert with a screen reader. And and I've tried to explain that to lots of people over time that you you will never learn it if if you can see it. I mean... As a sighted user, you have the benefit of knowing what it all looks like, but you have to kind of, as a visually impaired person, and you know this, Pete, that you kind of, you know, you learn your way around. So it's like when you get up at night to go to the bathroom and it's dark, as a sighted person, I don't have to turn the lights on. I know how many steps it is to get here. You just kind of learn that. You yes, map your way. Because you have to. Yes, of course. Exactly. And so when I I can sit down at a computer today with no screen and no screen reader, and I could still do something. I could log in, I could get Outlook running, and I could even send an email message to somebody without ever seeing it or listening to it because I just know the keystrokes. I know how to get there. I know exactly what that takes. You know, I think that's what made a big difference for me in the early days when Xerox had changed from using DOS to Windows 3.1, and there were a variety of screen readers available, and people said, how's Pete going to use a computer? And I must have tried three or four of them, and they were just terrible. I just couldn't work with them. I was just about to give up when I tried JAWS, and it worked, and I was able to do all of what I needed to do in Windows. And I figured out the reason why was it was a blind person who developed it. They had to make it work. That's exactly right. And that is very, very significant in the success of the technology. Um, You know, I kind of filled the role of product manager back then, but even today, I mean, I I don't kid myself. I am not the brains behind figuring out what we should do. I try and pull that information out of users. And we have so many good users. I mean, so it was customers out there and there's a lot of them, um, thousands of people that I've had an opportunity and the pleasure to meet and work with over the years. So you started out 
going to people's houses, basically, selling equipment. But these days, there are many different options for people to see different types of equipment. How do you feel that the trade show situation has evolved over the years? We had a lot of small dealers back in those early days, too, and the dealers knew their customers and found their customers in their local communities. Today, there are less of these small dealers. Um, the mom and pop businesses have really kind of gone away and they've been replaced by bigger companies. But we as a company have gone out to trade shows and trade shows were a very, very important part of this industry, I think. CSUN is the big technology show. It's really the biggest international show for visually impaired people, I think. Um, Closing the Gap was the other big show back in the 90s for us, but that one really went the way of education and uh, less about blindness and more about um, other disabilities. And of course, the NFB convention and the ACB convention to a lesser extent over the years had been very important shows for us. I still love my opportunity to be able to be at those conventions. And then there are other important shows in Europe, Site uh, Village in the UK, Site City in Germany. Uh, those, there's another conference in, in Reha up in Dusseldorf, which was an important one for uh, people to learn about what's being developed as far as screen readers and screen magnifiers and so forth. So that's where we meet a lot of the, the folks and a lot of people go to those conventions. So we were talking to somebody else a few weeks ago and he was commenting that back in the day, they'd have to haul all this really heavy equipment. And, you know, you think about the old CCTV systems that weighed as much as a refrigerator and were almost as big and these days, so many of these devices are way more powerful, but much smaller and lighter. I assume you've experienced that too. Oh, I'm traveling, and I can remember in the 1990s when I would travel around the country, I had a tower computer with a handle attached to the top of the thing. And I would carry it onto the airplane, and then I'd bend down it with one arm, swing it up to put it into the overhead. <laughs> and, and and when I would go from city to city, you know, we do it with our suitcases. Well, I would be on and off planes all the time and I would be lifting that thing up. And I can remember 1996, we were moving from a condo into our first house in Safety Harbor, Florida. And right before the day of that move, my muscles in my back went out. And it was just because I had just come back from a trip of doing that lift with that computer up and down. And uh, I had pulled muscles in my back and I, I couldn't walk. So we moved and I had to sit and watch people move our stuff into the house. I, I And it was carrying that heavy equipment around. Oh, how frustrating. Oh, it was. You talked about how these conferences and conventions have proliferated over the years and gotten really big and a great way of connecting with people. But there's also been a lot of other changes in the assistive technology field over the years. As I mentioned earlier, when I first started using JAWS, there were a number of options. Not all of them were very good, but there's been a lot of consolidation over the years as well as 
another raft of products like narrator and voiceover that are now built into operating systems. And I'm wondering, you know, what your feelings are about some of those changes. Yeah, well, when there were a lot of choices, unfortunately, it just segmented the market. And so it made it difficult for any of those companies, I think, to really do a good job. So we needed some consolidation in order to to get a big enough market for a company like Henry Joyce at the time to grow. And and I can remember as like the first Windows screen reader, I think really that people tried to use was uh, the one that David Kostishian had done from Canada, Window Bridge. Oh, I tried that one. Yes, that was close to working. Yes, that was, I think, one of the pioneers. That was really the first one that kind of should have given people hope. And uh, Glenn Gordon actually used Window Bridge himself as he was trying to learn how to use Windows to know how things were supposed to work as he was working on the development of JAWS. So it was Window Bridge was the one he was using in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few others. Outspoken had a different uh, approach to doing things. And I tried that and, also. Uh, screen Power, which was uh, Telesensory's uh, take on the Virgo screen reader from Baum. Now, I understand in the early days of screen reader development, there were also some interesting screen reader competitions at some of these conferences. Tell us about some of those. In those early days, at the conferences, they had a thing called Dueling Windows. It was started by Mark Nelson and um, Greg Meisner. And they put on this Dueling Windows at the conferences, and they would invite the major manufacturers of screen readers to come together, sit in a room in front of a big audience, give them a, a list of tasks, and each company had to go through and demonstrate how they would accomplish that same task. That must have been fun. To see how things would work. That was very stressful. And, you know, it was really, really competitive because we knew as manufacturers, we knew who some of those people were sitting in the room and the success of your company and your employee's ability to to make a living was going to be based on how well you could do in those presentations. And uh, we had Ted do some of them. We didn't want to, I didn't go up and do it because we, it was important to have a blind person demonstrating it, whether or not I could see a screen didn't matter. It was the perception. So we wanted to make sure a blind person was doing it. And we had Ted do it. Uh, He got mad at one point. I remember and we had to pull him out of there and we put Glenn up and, uh, and Glenn did a great job, but uh, we actually did really well with jaws. Um, Those dueling windows events turned out to be the turning point, I think, because I know that the, the board in Texas that makes decisions on what products are going to be used, they were sitting in on those presentations and they settled on JAWS for Windows early on. And so how Texas goes, a lot of the country went back then. Yes. So we were successfully sold into Texas because of the dueling Windows event and lots of other states followed suit because of that. And I guess that's a big part of your market is selling through state and government agencies. It is. It definitely is. I mean, for years, 
individuals did not spend much of their own money. It was all done through government agencies or state agencies. Today, with our home use program in the United States, it's amazing. There's so many thousands of people who are paying for the ability to use this software at home. And, and it's a great encouragement to me that, you know, people are willing to, you know, it doesn't cost much. It's less than a hundred bucks a year, but they're willing to put that money out of their pocket. Even while there's free options out there that they could be using, they trust our company. They like our support and we're trying to put new features in all the time to make it beneficial for them. And, uh, and they've embraced the software and they continue to purchase it. And we really relish that. I think it's a nice concept that you have instituted the past year or so that people can now get some of these products on a subscription basis. Because, mm -hmm. you know, let's face it, some of these access technologies are rather expensive and people can't all of a sudden plunk down that amount of money. But to pay $100 a year for complete access to you know, your computer, email, internet, and all that is very important. And the tech support. Tech support's important. You know, the tech support of Freedom Scientific is unbelievable. And some of the folks that are doing that work there have been with us for 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, we process hundreds and hundreds of calls every day from people calling in. A lot of times it's just, there's a new version out, they're going to install it, but they would rather have someone holding their hand while they're doing it. Yes. And and they call support and the support people answer those calls and, and help them out. And they do an awful lot of good for a lot of folks. Yeah. And those are some of the differences between free software and programs like JAWS that people don't readily see. They initially look at the cost and say, oh, that's the big difference. But, you know, just in terms of the script support for various applications that JAWS does. Right. The customization and then and then the added benefit of making sure that you have access to eloquence, you have access to vocalizer expressive at no extra fee, you have the OCR built into it, and then the artificial intelligence stuff now with picture smart and voice assist. Those are all services that are paid for services that we have to fund, you know, every time you make a voice command or every time you send a picture to the cloud to get it processed. There are fees associated with that stuff, and and that's all built into the cost of the screen reader. So, I'm always impressed with the number and types of new features you manage to introduce each year. I look at JAWS every year and I say, wow, you know, it's pretty good now. What could they possibly add to make it better? And somehow you keep finding new ways of improving it. Well, if you could be a fly on the wall when we're talking about what we want to do, the list is unbelievable. We've got, you know, 30, 40 items and we know we can't do but eight or 10 of these things next year. We've got so many things that we're not going to get to. Uh, it's frustrating. Oh, I'll bet. And, yeah, you can come yeah. up with tons of ideas, but it takes a lot of development effort to yes. put them into practice robustly. It really does. And yeah, and you have to, you can't, you got to put it in and make sure that that robustly is really important, that it isn't going to break down and that it's going to continue to uh, work in the future and that it makes sense. Yes. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. And on behalf of ourselves and all of our listeners, 
we want to thank Eric for his many contributions to the field of assistive technology and his work in particular with JAWS Screen Reader. Thanks a lot, Eric, and good luck in retirement. That's it for show number 2233. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Clusive e-learning platform. Clusive is the world's first e-learning platform built for and by blind people. We'll speak with Luke Siminer, CEO and co-founder of Clusive, about the motivation for starting Clusive, how it works, and how they are partnering with regional vocational services around the country to train blind people for future employment and help connect them with potential employers. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope to catch you all for next week's episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.